Hello everyone, Mirko Guerrini here from the Jazz Transcription Clinic podcast. I'm still in Italy, as you can see from the roof, or if you're listening to the podcast, you, you can feel uh, the winter coming in, even though I had the opportunity to uh, warm up myself with this wonderful transcription of a Michael Brecker solo over, uh, say it over and over again, the beautiful ballad uh, that is included also in the famous blockbuster John Coltrane's ballads. Uh, so Michael Brecker is in Japan, he's recording a TV interview and he's playing this piece with the Japanese band, but what uh, caught my attention initially was the first statement that um, uh, Michael Brecker is uh, saying to the interviewer, uh, answering a question that is not on the video, but uh, the, the answer is so uh, important and so revealing for us that are keen to learn, you know, the jazz language. And uh, is Michael Brecker defining himself? Have a listen. I'm kind of a product of my time. I grew up listening to Coltrane and Miles Davis, mm -hmm. as well as Jimi Hendrix. So I think this is, this is fantastic. You know, he's saying, I'm a product of my time. I grew up listening to John Coltrane, Miles Davis, as well as Jimi Hendrix. And so what does it mean? It means that a jazz player, by the fact that he's studying constantly musicians from the past or uh, simply someone that you like a lot, you become a product of uh, the outcome of all those ingredients mixed up together. So you transcribe Coltrane, you transcribe Miles Davis, and why not you transcribe Jimi Hendrix? And then all those things come in into your playing and into your improvisation. And a perfect example of this is the fact that Michael Brecker is playing this you know, signature tune that is the opening tune of uh, John Coltrane's ballads. And every time Michael Brecker is playing over the so-called palm keys, so on the tenor saxophone, high D, high E, and so forth, look at what happens. He plays a combination of grace notes to approach the high notes. So, and this is part of Michael Brecker's language, but as Michael Brecker said, He's a product of his time. And the first, uh, maybe not even the first, but Coltrane uh, was one who used a lot that uh, approaching technique to the high notes. Look here, guys. Three, the note is high E. And of course, he's playing three, do, do, be. And then every time there is those high notes look here and then you know if you don't believe myself i have prepared a little surprise for you because this is the opening of john coltrane's ballad and listen so it's not 
a chance that Michael Brecker is uh, playing like that. And he's declaring that. He's declaring that uh, he's a product of what he, uh, whatever has influenced him. And in this case, it will be John Coltrane, of course. And another thing that uh, I would like to show you is that he is able to connect all those notes. He's playing basically the melody. And I have tried to be as accurate as I could in transcribing this solo. So there are lots of grace notes, lo lots of little things here and there. Listen here, for example, where you can hear... Right? And, and that's really important. Right? Da, be, do, be, do. All those little notes, those are what makes this phrase really spicy, really interesting. And then another factor, uh, most of the times the approach notes or the grace notes are below the landing note. But there are some instances where Michael Brecker is playing above just to vary the sound, to create a different tension. So you can hear, for example, in this part here. Right? Here. There is the semitone above. And again, there is a lot of grace notes here. This is the same phrase that Coltrane plays. Right? And it's just gorgeous the fact that he's able to uh, like transition through those notes. Basically with a chromatic approach notes, uh, but the, the inflection that he gives to the, to the phrase uh, makes it really beautiful and also another thing to notice I as I said I've tried to be really really accurate and on the solo that he plays around here after the piano I also put some articulation in. I basically spelled out all the articulation to show you how deep in details you can go and especially on a ballad is really hard rhythmically <laughs> I had to work uh, hard, you know, quintuplets, seven tuplets, and then triplets inside, you know, six tuplets. Uh, and of course, he, he's a great uh, player, he's so precise. But uh, going deep in those details, those are the things that we need to learn to get the language right. You know, it, the articulation is so important, the accents, the way. Uh, he tones the notes. Let's listen to this phrase, for example. I'm just, you know, fooling around here. Sorry. Right? What we don't teach the students. If you want to swing, don't tongue all the notes. But he's Michael Brecker, he tones all the notes, but it gives a lot of importance and inflection to this line.
love it so much. And then sometimes he needs to shorten the last note to emphasize the next note, like here. Hmm? And I had to put like the little marcato on top. I don't know if it's the best sign, but I had to compromise in a way to show you uh, what he does. There is a strong tonguing on this A that gives a lot of emphasis on this twist around the A. Then there is some blues because he's a product of his time. So. Here we can talk for ages, but he plays the D blue scale over D minor and G7. So this is a 2-5 in C, or in this case is a 6 and a 2 of F major, right? But he knows that you can use the uh, blue scale. Uh, there is another instance in the same part where he plays uh, another blues lick on the same part. Listen. Beautiful. And other instances where in that specific place he uses the sharp 11. Hmm? Like here. There is both the blues and the sharp 11 creating this chromatic movement with the D here, the C sharp, and the C natural. So this is what he's thinking. And the whole phrase is so gorgeous. And whenever you have a secondary dominant, like here, you know, it's, it's the same place. It's exactly the same place in the form. Uh, you can use the sharp 11 dominant, or if you prefer, the Lydian dominant mode. And even in the solo, there are some examples. Um, let me find the same place with the D minor uh, here. Here, D minor G7. And look at that. Landing on G7, he put C sharp. And then A, B, C sharp, D, F natural, A, C sharp. So that's the Lydian dominant of G. Right? And creates a, a great tension. Right? And so we talked about the grace nodes, we talked about the, um, the use of the articulation, and we talked about using the Lydian dominant on a secondary dominant and other things to notice is when 
uh, he likes to go a little bit out of the harmony or superimposing different chords like at the end of the melody he plays this beautiful beautiful line to get out where he basically plays uh, an arpeggio of uh, C sharp minor major 7 over C7 alternate. Have a listen. So part of the altered scale or the super locking scale and uh, it's, it's just beautiful. It creates a, a great tension and resolving on the third uh, of the uh, F major chord. Uh, there is another beautiful phrase where he uh, does a harmonic shift. Here it is. G minor 7. He opens with a G minor arpeggio and then I flat minor and then it goes down with the sevenths right of um, G minor so G major seventh F sharp and F and then on C7 he uses the sharp 11 to keep going with the same idea so F sharp F natural and E so you can see this inner line da, da. <clears throat> da, 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 da. and the phrase is just beautiful even because he's playing at a million kilometers per hour so you can see articulation is very important he is highlighting that movement with playing right <clears throat> tonguing only the top notes of this movement and then this is E flat so again he is playing sharp 9 and flat 9 and playing an enclosure this is an enclosure to C which is the landing note so he is playing the semitone above semitone below here you see this is a bebop phrase this is a very typical bebop phrase but played so well and the concept is very easy but when you play it's very hard to come up and to play so clean so clearly gorgeous and then there is the resolution again two five <coughs> one and listen what he does. So uh, you can call it whatever you like. This is a altered scale again or a diminished. There is a little bit of the diminished. And here again, this is uh, the altered scale. And from here to here, there is also the diminished. Uh, scale of C, the semitone, whole tone, the half whole, diminish, so called, and and then guys at the end he plays. Oh, the, there is this other line that is so gorgeous, again on two five one, you know. And of course, why he is so good on two five ones? Because this is what we need to practice. This is what we need to study. Two five ones. 
we need to uh, understand what is tension, what is release. We need to uh, learn how to build the tension inside the 2-5 and how to resolve it. And we need to learn exactly how much tension you create if you use a specific mode. These are all the things that we can learn from a transcription. You don't have to buy hundreds of books or, or study a lot of theory. You listen to this phrase, you like it, you learn it. First you learn it, you learn the sound, and then you can start thinking, oh, what are those notes? And try to get the theory out of it. But first of all, learn the sound. And you have to like it. If you don't like it, forget it. Don't study it. Right? Study what you like, what you would like to play. Listen to this line. I want to study this line. And <clears throat> this is so interesting. There is so much tension on the 2-5. And on the resolution, he's basically playing the arpeggio. With approach note, right? Yeah. This is just F major. Anyone can play this. It's so logical. F, A, C, E, F, A, F, C, A, B, C, 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 G sharp, A, 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 G, F, G. But he, he plays simple there because it's the resolution. While here, he's playing very, very interesting. So this is F sharp minor. This is part of the diminished scale again probably even this i don't know if he's thinking an arpeggio but um this is part of the diminished half hole and here there is the ultra scale and here look at that b natural d sharp c sharp c natural and finally the resolution and there is so much tension there You know, this is how it works, because you create the tension on the 2-5, where even the harmony creates the tension, and then you resolve it when the harmony releases the tension. And, uh, you know, Michael Brecker was an absolute master at it, right? And then there, there are some Michael Brecker, uh, the so-called Brecherisms, Listen to how clean he's playing this phrase. Right? Those are hours and hours and hours of study to become that clean. Right? And then this is a very, very typical breakerism. Oh, it's so gorgeous with all the fake fingerings here, around here. You know, playing the harmonics and pretending to be like a trumpet player playing some fake, uh, fake notes, fake fingerings. And guys, to become that clean, that precise, you have to spend hours and hours on your instrument. Right? Like 
at the very end of the solo, he is playing a cadenza. And listen to just simply how clean he can be. Guys, this thing here is not easy at all. It's not easy at all. And he's, he's so precise and clean. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And what about this line here? Right, again. Uh, a beautiful uh, cadenza phrase over a C dominant altered chord. There is F, F sharp major. There is E flat major, right? There is C major. Hello, this is the diminished, right? Scale where you can superimpose those triads over the chord. And a final note before we listen to the whole solo together, a final note is the use of dynamics. So at the end of the solo, he ends on the solo at the end of the bridge, where they play a pedal over a concert G7 sus4 chord, and he's building a great tension there. And then when he goes to the last A and he's playing the melody, he plays a big, big decrescendo and starts playing super soft. So importance of dynamics, dynamics and articulation are where the language is. Have a listen. part of the storytelling that every jazz musician should you know spend hours and hours on reflecting how I can create this storytelling effect of taking the audience taking the listener with you uh, together on a, on a beautiful journey and his solo here on, on this piece is, is one of the most beautiful things I have ever heard. So now it's time to listen to the whole solo. Please don't forget to subscribe to my channel and uh, I'll see you next time.